3 this morning. 1 Peter chapter number 3. And uh, when you're at home and you find it, and you should have your Bible. I hope you have your Bible this morning. If you don't have your Bible, I'm going to give you a few seconds to go grab your Bible. Get your Bible. And I know some of you say, my Bible's on my phone. Well, your phone is probably watching the service today. Go ahead and get your Bible, and I want you to have your Bible open and join in as we go today. So I'm going to give you about 15 seconds. 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3. And uh, we will be there this morning. We're continuing our series on one another. Now, I think it's very interesting that our theme for the year is one another. We had no idea when we started this year. We had no idea. Last week, I thought this was possible. Or before last week, I never thought this was possible. But what has happened, what we see all around us, this is a great time. Take what we've learned from the scriptures about one another and put that into practice. Um, I think Brother Jay made a great point just a few minutes ago. Church is not this building. This building is the place we use to meet. The church is the... And so... Even though we're not physically meeting in this place this morning, the church is still alive and the church is still strong and the church is doing well. And we need to be reaching out to one another and being there. And I love here talking to different people this week and hearing of so many of you reaching out and talking to one another. And I don't think there's anything better we can do. we got to stay connected to one another. And over the next little bit of time, something you're going to see, the longer this thing plays out, and who knows how long it's going to be. You, know, you could turn on CNN and you could hear it could be months. This could take a year before it's over. I don't think it's going to take that long. And hopefully it won't take a month. Just the other day, we got in the mail all of our Easter stuff. All 2,500 Easter door hangers we had to hang on doors around us. Uh, a thousand personal invites that we are going to pass out our banners at $250 on all of our Easter stuff and who knows what's going to happen but the Lord's in control and the thing that we can't do is sit here and worry and look and be like well when's this going to change we don't know and I want you to understand something just as well no one else does either those news people you love to watch they don't know when things are going to get better. They don't. And a lot of times they are going to give you worst case scenario just to put a little bit of extra fear in you to be extra careful. And I'm not here to go against all that stuff today because it's important to keep but it's it's important to keep up on things. It's also important to turn that off and not get keep feeding into it. We can't take too much of that. So once a day, I'll tune in and I'll check up on things, but I try to leave it at that because we don't know about tomorrow. We know the one who does. And that's where our confidence and our trust needs to be. Now, if you didn't have time to get your Bible and all of that time, then you're just going to have to listen this morning. And oh, and if you have the notes anyways, the Bible passages are right there on the verses right before you. So we'll read this morning, 1 Peter chapter number 3. Verse 8 through 15. I should have made Ryan come over here this morning, right? He should have had to come over and read the scripture for all of us. Read your Bibles and turn to, you know, that deep low voice that he's got. But maybe we'll do that next time just to get him, get, let you see his, see his ugly mug up here. If you have to see my ugly mug, you should have to see someone else's, right? First Peter 3, verse number 8. The scripture tells us, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brother and be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for, ra for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him reframe his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. For the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you, if ye be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. 
But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Father, I pray the next few minutes as we're here on YouTube, Facebook, wherever the case may be, you unite our hearts this morning. There's nothing impossible for you, and you can make the message here in this place with no one really here just as powerful as if the room was filled with your people. We need you this morning. Bless the time we have in your word. May you get all the praise and all the glory. And we know the scriptures where it says that all things work together for good. We trust you in that, and we believe you this morning. Bless the time that we have. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We live in a very fast-paced world that's come to us creeching halt over the past couple days. If you look before this past week into our world, you would see that we get so busy going through life we take for granted all the things that God has done for us. And I want you to understand something is when we look at the many blessings and the things that God's given to us, God has been so good to each and every one of us. And he calls on us to praise him. The scripture tells us in Psalm 100, verse 4 and 5, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. And what would help us all in this time and the day and age and right where we're at today, Sunday, March 22nd, 2020. And I don't know if it's just me. Maybe you feel the same. This last week doesn't seem like one week. It seems like a month has passed by in one week. Everything's gone very slow. But if we could get this thing of cultivating some thankfulness in our hearts, it would help us. When our hearts are full of gratitude, what's going to happen is we are less inclined to covetousness and to be focused on self. So when we're thankful for the blessings of God, what happens is we are not self-focused and we're more aware of all those around us. And when we are focusing on what we wish we had, what happens is we fail to see the needs of others. And so often we hear of tragedies and all these things. And what we got to understand today is we need to get our eyes off of ourselves and see who out there we can help. That's what Jesus did. That's how he lived his ministry. And learning to be thankful helps us nurture a heart of compassion as we consider the needs of others. And I want to talk this morning about compassion for one another. There was a woman who was visiting some people who lived on a farm. She noticed a pig limping in the backyard with a wooden leg. She asked the farmer, what happened to the pig? And the farmer said, oh, Betsy is a wonderful pig. One night the house caught fire and she oinked so loud she woke us up and we got the fire truck here and saved the house. She saved all of us. The woman said, wow, what an extraordinary pig you have. And the farmer continued and said, that's not all. One day my youngest daughter fell into the pond and Betsy oinked so loud that she got our attention. We were able to pull my daughter out of the pond in time. The woman said, that's really amazing, but I still don't understand why the pig has a wooden leg. The farmer said, well, when you have a pig that special, you don't want to eat her all at once. This farmer was showing gratitude in what he said, but his compassion wasn't very genuine in the fact that they were slowly eating that pig. And I hope I didn't offend anybody by saying that this morning, but you're not here to be offended. So anyways, I'm going to get some, oh, and I see a lot of hearts going up when I tell that story. So we'll just leave that there. Maybe have some bacon for lunch this, this afternoon. I don't know. Compassion is defined as your hurt in my heart. 
It's easy for us to feel a moment of sadness for somebody or something. Or we see the news, we see the people that have died because of this virus. It's easy for us to feel some compassion and some sympathy and feel momentarily sad about something. But what I want you to understand something is we quickly move on from that feeling. Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, was moved with compassion, and because of that, he acted out of it. He felt their hurt, and he expressed, uh, he expressed his compassion in action. Matthew 14, verse 14 tells us, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude, and was moved with compassion toward them. And look at what he did. And he healed their sick. We see that Jesus did something about it. Compassion is not just having this feeling and this sadness for someone. It's doing something about it. I got three points this morning. If you got your outline right there, I'm going to give you these points right now. And some of you might say, Pastor, you're moving too fast. I can't see your comments right now. And so just say amen, whatever you need to do, and I can get you what you need later. And it's okay at home this morning. It's okay to say amen every once in a while, okay? You can do that. And uh, you can uh, say amen. Don't go to sleep like you normally do. And I'm sure some of you are actually laying in bed right now while you're watching this. And so enjoy your bed. I got all dressed up for church today. I saw some people put out this thing to send out to your church. Go to bed early. Get up in the morning. Shower. Get dressed. Be ready and in your place. I think that's wonderful. I think that's great. But I just hope you tune in and that you're focusing on the Lord for a little bit today. Number one, we dive into the outline. We see the realm of compassion, the realm of compassion. To whom should our compassion extend? We find that answer in verse number eight. We go back to verse number eight of our text here, and it says, Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. So what this says right here is we are to show compassion to each other. If we were to talk in a church aspect, the body of Christ here, we are supposed to show compassion to those within that body. I think we could extend this further out, and we should be showing compassion to everyone. And so this morning, let's dive in and look at this phrase, this phrase, having compassion one of another. In this verse, it means to feel with another, to suffer with another, to identify with another. God wants us to have a heart of compassion that leads to action. This is when we see someone's need and take the action of meeting that need. Jesus Christ demonstrated all of that for us, and he saw, you know what he did? He saw us without Christ. He saw us without salvation, headed to hell, and he had compassion. And through that compassion, he died on the cross so that we could have a home in heaven. Verse 8 gives us two keys to developing the kind of compassion that we need to have for one another. Letter A, the first thing that we see is we see a unified mindset. A unified mindset. We see at the beginning here it says this verse begins with the instruction, finally be all of one mind having compassion one of another. We are to be united in having the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? Philippians 2 talks about it. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, what did he do? Humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You would even look at the verses that, that come before that. Look not every man on his own things, every man also on the things of others. And so, verse 8 gives us these two keys, and we see, letter A, this unified mindset. 
And what we got to understand is this, the phrase one mind means to be like-minded, harmonious, and with one accord. It gives the idea of musical harmony. It is not uniformity, but unity. And you heard Brother Jay and his family sing this morning. If Jenna played on her guitar a G chord and Jay is playing uh, F chord, they're not going to quite match at the same time. It's going to sound a little bit off. And I'm not the music guy around here. I know... I know a little bit about I know a little bit about a lot of things. That's what gets me in a lot of trouble with a lot of things because I know just a little bit about things. But if they got to be together, what you heard was harmony there. And our world is so often divided. And even today, you turn on the news and you see the division as among us. But the church, the people of God, what we got to understand is there should be unity around the shared doctrine and our care for one another. We are going to have differences. But what brings us together is Christ, and that is stronger than what divides us. Philippians 2, verse 2 through 3 says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in loneliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. How important this is. Ten days after the attack on Pearl Harbor, the people of North Plate, Nebraska, received word that soldiers from their town would be passing through North Plate on the train. These soldiers were part of the Nebraska National Guard Company D, and hundreds of mothers and wives showed up at the train depot with care packages, food, and letters to give to these soldiers. So these were their sons, these were their husbands. And so they did this. The train eventually arrived, but it turned out to be that it was not soldiers from North Plate, Nebraska. It was the soldiers from Kansas National Guard Group D that showed up. And so the women watched awkwardly as the soldiers unknown to them descended from the train. And finally one of the mothers went up to one of the young soldiers, handed him a care basket, intended for her son, and thanked him for his service for his country. And other ladies followed the lead and began to give gifts to the other soldiers. Soon what happened was the town organized a canteen so that everyone could gather and prepare food to distribute care packages to any soldier that passed through on train. This operation carried on for the next four and a half years. The women of North Plate, Nebraska prepared sandwiches, cookies, and hot coffee for the soldiers that came through their town. They served as many as 8,000 soldiers and sailors on some days. The last train arrived on April 1st, 1946. By then, the North Plate Canteen had served 6 million soldiers. The soldiers only had 10 minutes during their stop, but were richly blessed by the unconditional love that they received. The fond memories of this deed, this kind deed, saw the soldiers through the heat of battle and lasted well after the war was over. A man wrote a book, Once Upon a Town, which made the North Plate Canteen story famous. Bob Green interviewed a few surviving soldiers who had come through North Plate in the 1940s. And their response to the kindness shown to them during the time of hardship was the same, and all of them wept. And it made a huge impact on their life. Isn't it interesting that today would be the day we'd be talking about having compassion? Hey, who are you going to bump into? Well, don't get too close. Social distancing. Keep your distance from everybody. Who do you need to show some compassion to this week? You go grocery shopping. You're out and about. You take your family on a walk, whatever the case may be. One of the things that we hear often about our church and people who've been in our church for a while why did they come back? Why did you stay? Because there was someone who cared for me. Jude 22, a great verse, and of some have compassion, making a difference in how we need compassion. Compassion makes a difference in people's lives. We must have a unified mindset showing compassion to one another, and especially right now. 
You see letter A, we see a unified mindset. Letter B, we see a loving mindset. We see a loving mindset. When we have a unified mindset, we will be loving to one another. But look at what it says in verse number 8. It says, look at the rest of it there. It says, finally be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Now look at the last bit here. It says, love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. And this verse shows us three aspects about a loving mindset. It talks about love as brethren, it mentions right there. And the love we ought to show to one another is the type of love the Lord has for us. And we need to love one another. The Bible says be pitiful. Now the word pitiful doesn't mean weak or lame, but it means tender-hearted, full of pity and inward affection. As believers, our hearts should be full of care for one another. That's what Ephesians 4, 32, and be kind one to another, tender-hearted pitiful, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You see, at the end of the verse, be pitiful, it says be courteous. The word courteous means friendly or kind. Literally, it's to be humble-minded. Courtesy is putting others before yourself and giving preference to others. When we see someone in need, do we consider how we can be a blessing to them during this time? When we have the mindset of compassion, we'll have the desire to show love toward one another. So we see, number one, we see the realm of our compassion should be to one another. And we see that as we see compassion, we see our love for one another. Number two, we see the reach of compassion. All Christians ought to be involved in showing compassion to one another. How do we demonstrate this compassion? Well, letter A, we reach verbally. What do you mean? Look at verse number nine. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for for railing, a contrary wise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him reframe his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Now, what does these verses tell us? We talk about reaching verbally. These verses tell us that we can reach out compassionately just by the things we say. Because of the powerful influence of our words, we need to have a mi- be mindful of how we use them. When we as God's people speak kindly, we can encourage one another. But when we speak unkindly, we can hurt others and often cause strife by our very words. We can reach out with compassion verbally, with positive words. That's why verse 9 says, it says, don't render evil for evil or railing for railing, but give a blessing. The word blessing translated here comes from the word where we get our word eulogy. It's a praise, a good word, or a benediction. In a funeral, someone will get up for the family and give a eulogy, speaking words of blessing about the deceased. And God wants our words to encourage and to lift one another up. Proverbs 25:11 tells us, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. Perhaps you have had someone say, the right word at the right time in your life and it made all the difference that is what proverbs 25 11 speaking about words that are rightly spoken are valuable and pleasant and people today need those words george truett was a well-known american clergyman who pastored the first baptist church of dallas texas for decades after accidentally killing his best friend while he was on a hunting trip truett was heartbroken according to his daughter he never laughed after that day Truett had a radio program which he would close each day with these words, Be good to everybody, because everybody's having a tough time.
And our words should not only encourage others, but they should also bring peace in the relationship we have with one another. Romans chapter 12, verse number 18, it says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And I know some of you say, oh, if possible, if possible, and uh, you need to do it. Look at that phrase, as much as lieth in you. That's the phrase you should look at. Not if it be possible, but look at the phrase, as much as lieth in you. Living peaceably with everyone is a challenge. Not In marriage, it's not always easy to live peaceably. The children in the house, and especially some of you being cooped up in the house like you've been the past couple days, it's not as easy to live peaceably, but we need to try our best to live peaceably or agreeably with others. Romans 14, verse number 19 says, Let us follow, as therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things which one may edify another. Look at that, it says, Follow after the things which make for peace. What that tells us is, peace is not always evident. And it's not always, sorry, it's not always automatic. We must choose to pursue it intentionally. It takes effort on our part to do that. So we see the reach of compassion. You reach verbally, and then letter B, you reach thoughtfully. You reach thoughtfully. Sometimes it is only, not only our manner of speech that brings peace, but it's us withholding of our unkind words. When we meet anger or contentious people who rail on us, our natural response to rail right back. And the Bible tells us, though, that we aren't supposed to repay evil with evil. It says we're to repay evil with, we looked at a minute ago, with blessing. So, to render means to deliver, to recompense, to repay. Railing is defined as reviling, slander, reproach. Have you ever had someone speak evil of you? It's easy to respond with vengeance, hurtful words. But Jesus said something different. What did he say? Matthew 5, 44, But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. When we respond in anger, we end up causing more strife. We need to exercise restraint in our speech and withhold ungodly words. I want to move around so bad right now. But Proverbs 15, 1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Next time you're, someone speaks evil of you, respond with kindness, respond with compassion, and see how they respond. It often puts an end to the dispute. And Peter here is specifically warning against evil speech. He says, let him reframe his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. The Bible says, let him eschew evil. Job was a man who eschewed evil. Remember Job 1.1? There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. Eschewed means hated and turned away from evil. Despite all that happened in Job's life, his friends, his wife, everything he lost, Job remained focused on the Lord and that godly testimony. Even when we're falsely accused or speaking evil of, if we reframe our words, a way to show compassion. We see number one, we see the reach of compassion. Number two, I mean, sorry, the realm of compassion. Number two, we see the reach of compassion. Number three, and lastly, and uh, I'm looking towards the Facebook thing, and I see all these, uh, I guess the heart emoji is uh, amen, because it keeps like, like that. I guess that's a good thing or you're falling asleep and hitting those buttons at the same time i don't know we saw number one the realm of compassion number two the reach number three and lastly today we see the reward of compassion it may seem like our acts of compassion go unnoticed when someone reviles us what are we supposed to do turn the other cheek but no one seems to see but i want you to know something this morning god sees it god hears it and he takes note 
of our action. We may feel alone in doing right, but let me remind you of something today, church. We can take heart knowing that God will reward us for living a life of compassion. You see letter A underneath number three, we see he knows our testimony. Look at verse 12. It says, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Do you see that right there? We serve a God who sees our lives and is acquainted with us in all of our ways. He notices our faithfulness even when others don't see it. God not only watches us, but he hears us. Look at the rest of that verse. It says, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. God delights in hearing and answering his children's prayers. When we come before God in prayer, we can be confident that he hears our request and will always answer according to his time. Matthew 7, verse 7 through 11. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if a son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father, which is in heaven, give good to them that ask him? God sees. He hears. He also judges, too. You might have wondered, and you see the rest of the verse there. It says, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. In our human wisdom, we can never explain God's ways or fully understand his sovereignty. We never will be able to. But God judges the unrighteous and will make all things right in his time. So God judges the wicked. you got to understand something. He doesn't pleasure, take pleasure in it. But he rather delights in showing mercy. That's why I love that song this morning. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more. Micah 7, verse 18 and 19 says, Who is God? like unto thee, that pardoneth iniquity, and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage, refraineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again and have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. And while God extends patience towards those who mock and oppose him, he will eventually judge them. And nothing is ever out of his control or out of his plan, and no one will ever get away with what they do. What we've got to understand this morning is we may not be able to control what others do to us. This is a hard lesson in life. And I've there's been several times in my life where I've had to take this and apply it to my life. And one instance in my life it took me a couple of years to get right on a certain situation, which I'm not going to tell you about. It's not my job. Hey, one thing I heard that I loved just the other day, the priest, not the priest, the Pope said this. Because the Catholic Church is closed up right now in these different things, hey, you don't have to go to priests to confess your sins. You can go to God, and he can take care of it. We've been preaching that for years, and the Pope realized it. But the sad thing is, they're going to do it because they're taking the Pope at his word. We do it because we take the Bible at what it says. And so I hope that many during this time, you know, we look, why do we have this going on we've been praying for revival haven't we i have been i don't know if you've been i've been praying for god to do a work in our hearts we live in a day and age with a lot of apathy and god could be using this right before our eyes to get our attention and maybe there's going to be a revival take place before the lord comes and that's what's going to take place right now i don't know i can't say that for sure and uh i got a yellow screen on my on facebook i want to see what that is it says network low network connection we need that to come back on don't do that to me right now and uh that's one of the bad things that happens with uh, technology. And so we'll pray that that continues there, but I'm going to finish up and keep preaching and be done here in a minute. We see he knows our testimony, letter A, and then letter B, back to green, so we're in good shape. We see he rewards our faithfulness. 
He rewards our faithfulness. As we demonstrate compassion in our daily lives, God knows our testimonies. He sees our long suffering. He will reward our faithfulness. At times, our patience is tested. We may feel alone in doing what's right, but it's going to be okay. That's why the Bible tells Galatians 6, 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Even when we do right, we're still going to face opposition. Look at verse 14. But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. The word happy in that verse means supremely blessed. We're well off when that takes place. And that doesn't make a lot of sense to us. But God tells us not to fear or be troubled by persecution. We can rejoice in standing because we're doing what's right in God's eyes. Luke 6, verse 22 and 23. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy. Behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner did the Father send the prophets. Corey Ten Boom, you've heard of her name before, was a woman from Amsterdam whose entire family was taken into a concentration camp under Hitler's rule. Her father and sister both died while in prison. After the war, Corey was in a city of Munich speaking to a church about compassion and forgiveness. She recounted the horrible atrocities that she had experienced in that concentration camp at Ravensbrück. Ravensbrook, something of that nature. Despite the injustices done to her, her family and her family, she said, I'm thankful that God forgave me and that by God's grace I can forgive others. That was her testimony. After the service, something she wasn't ready for happened. A man came to Corey and reached out to shake her hand. He said, the message you gave today was a great encouragement to me to know that God would forgive me for all my sins. When she looked into his face, Corey realized that he was one of the guards from that camp where she was, but mistreated her, her sister. At that moment, Corey froze. There was no forgiveness in her only fear. She recounted in her book how that she had a flashback and saw the face of her dead sister and remembered the prison guards, what they had done to her sister. Then she prayed, Lord, I just spoke about forgiveness. Help me to forgive. Help me to have compassion on this man who now believes in you. As an act of faith, Corey reached her hand towards his outstretched hand and chose to forgive. Suddenly, the warmth came through her body, and the love of God began to well in her heart. Corey looked into the man's eyes and said, Yes, the forgiveness of Jesus is a wonderful thing. I'm so glad that we can both experience it today. When others wrong us, we can either get even or ask the Lord to give us a compassionate heart and repay evil with a blessing. As we demonstrate the compassion in our lives, doors will begin to open for us to present the gospel. Look at that last verse, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Wouldn't it be wonderful if your testimony of compassion made someone notice you and ask you, hey, what makes you different from the rest? That'd be a great opportunity to share Jesus Christ. One of the things that I cannot do with Facebook being on and YouTube is know exactly for sure who's watching, who will watch us later on. There could be someone here this morning that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. And I believe just as if you were sitting in the chairs here this morning, we'd have an invitation in this place. You could come and you could receive Christ as your Savior this morning. I believe you can do that right here through Facebook or through YouTube. First thing you got to realize is that you're a sinner. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says that there's a penalty for sin. The wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. We deserve death for our sin. We deserve, and the Bible talks about in the book of Revelation, how death and hell, they're cast into a lake of fire. That's what we deserve, our sin. But the Bible says that but the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus had compassion. And through that compassion, 
compassion. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. You've got to realize this morning, you're a sinner. Realize there's a penalty for sin. Realize Jesus Christ and his compassion paid that price for us. And all we got to do for salvation. Now says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's salvation. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Last verse, verse number 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We live in a world of trying times right now. You need peace this morning? Jesus can offer you that peace. Maybe you're here watching and you don't know christ as your savior let me ask you again do you know you're a sinner do you believe the bible where it says there's a penalty for sin do you believe that jesus christ took your place and died for you and you're a prime candidate for salvation today it says you confess with your mouth believe in your heart you believe that jesus is who he said he is and you want to receive christ as your savior today i want to ask you all of us here in facebook land youtube land wherever we're at i want you to bow your head and close your eyes church family i would ask you to pray right now that if there's someone who doesn't know christ as their savior this will be their opportunity to receive him father I thank you for the time we've had today in the scripture. This is weird. I can't deny it, but I know you're in it, and I know you're present here this morning. And I hope I felt your presence here. I sure hope the families at home felt your presence. Pray that if there's someone out here that needs to get saved today, that they would. Hey, this morning, if you know that you're a sinner, that Jesus died for you, or that there's a penalty for sin, Jesus died for you, you want to accept that gift? Why don't you pray something to the Lord like this? You're not praying to me, you're praying it to the Lord. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I'm asking you to come into my heart, save me, take me to heaven when I die. I'm calling on your name. Thank you, Jesus. I wonder this morning, watching if there's someone who trusted Christ. The Bible talks about how the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that was. And people complicate religion. That is what salvation is all about. If you're out there today and you trusted Christ as your Savior today, I would love for you in the comments on Facebook, on YouTube, on one of those places, put in those comments, I got saved today. And uh, you would know right when that takes place that a phone call would come in on the phone. And uh, we're still live here. And uh, if a phone call came in right at that time. Isn't it interesting how Satan will even work at this time? If you're here today and you trusted Christ as your Savior, what I'd ask you to do is put a comment down below with your name who you are and say, hey, Pastor, I got saved today. I want to send you a Bible and send you some things to be an encouragement to you. I'll wash my hands good. I'll make sure that they're nice and sanitary for you, but I would love for you to, know, to be able to get further and growing in the Lord, and I'd love to know this. Church family, we're finishing up here in just a couple minutes, and we went